Welcome to Living Fullness, a podcast where two unusual friends explore all things friendship, relationships, and the Christian life. My name is Dina Constantine. And I'm Father Sean Burns. And each month we bring you a guest, someone who will share their experience and strengths with us, helping us to learn, grow, and to live life to the full. We have a special guest with us today. We do. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a pleasure to introduce to you uh, Father Peter Thompson, uh, who's uh, the rector of Vianney College. He's, he's my immediate superior. And uh, he was also my rector uh, when, uh, when I was a, a student going through here at the, uh, at the seminary. So, uh, Father, you, uh, you've been rector for 18 years. That's right. And <laughs> that's, a, that's a very long period of time. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually remarkable to, to have gone through, to have, have been your student and now to be working with you as a, a, as, as a fellow formator. Um, so can you tell us about where you've, where did you come from? Like where, you know, where did you grow up? Um, right, I was born in a small town in New South Wales, country New South Wales, Central West, called Portland. Uh, I always have to add that's the New South Wales Portland because there is a, a Victorian Portland. Right. I, I had it. Uh, you know, very. I came from a very stable, very happy family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the uh, to the convent school in uh, Portland for my primary education, yep. and then I was uh, sent to. St. Stanislaus College in Bathurst, about uh, or 30 k's away from Portland, uh, and uh, I did my secondary school. Uh, it was run by the Vincentian Fathers, and uh, it was there I think I received my vocation to become a priest, and in particular to become a Vincentian mm. Father. Mm. And so from there I, I went, entered straight into the, uh, into the Vincentian community in 1960. Yeah, okay. And you've been a priest now for 53 years? 55. 55 years. There you go. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Could you tell us what, what, is it, what does one of your days as seminary rector look like? Okay. Uh, well, like uh, every uh, priest, uh, I, I start with prayer. And, of course, uh, as a rector, I am called to share the, the by witness as well as by instruction the uh, the life of a priest with those young men who are training for that role uh, and so we, we make our prayer together we start with the prayer of the church uh, we do um, uh, half an hour of what we call mental prayer and then uh, we, we have mass normally there are some days where that routine has changed a bit but that's that's the normal situation. Uh, the seminary on a normal day then moves into lectures. Mm. Uh, I double up a- as a lecturer at the present. I, mean, I uh, It probably is, would have been better if I didn't. I would have more time to devote to my duties as rector, but uh, 
uh, I, I enjoy teaching. I, I've taught on and off for most of my life. And uh, in particular, I, I'm teaching Latin at the moment, which mm. I enjoy. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, we. Um, the other thing, another thing we need to sh show the uh, students is how to live together as a community. So we take our meals together. Mm. Uh, in the afternoon, uh, th sometimes there are lectures, but more often it's the time for this study. They take a bit of recreation um, and do, do other things. Uh, then there's the evening meal together. Uh, perhaps more study and uh, uh, and uh, a night prayer. So that's a normal day, I guess. Uh, yeah. There are other areas of um, priestly formation which I haven't covered there. Say the sure. pastoral formation, to a large extent, is not in my hands. That's sort of passed out to to other um, members of the staff or to um, uh, to priests in their parishes, but. That's something I have to look to and make sure at the right time that uh, our students receive that adequate formation. Yeah, sure, sure. Thank you. Um, I guess, um, I mean, you, you know the ins and outs. You, you're sort of here and you to see how the seminary operates. Um, for me, who doesn't, um, one of the questions that I have is the kinds of conversations that you might have with the students that are here. What would you theme-wise, you know, what would be some themes of really challenging conversations but also really rewarding conversations that you might have here? Okay. Uh, well, th there are different levels of conversation. I, I, like, to I like to sit with the, uh, with the men uh, in, in training, sit with them at, lu at lunchtime, and our conversation is more on a familiar level, uh, you know, I'd, I encourage them to talk about things that interest them, current affairs, uh, what's going on amongst them and so forth. Uh, I, I interview each student uh, sometimes. Well, I, I, the ideal is once a term. So I, I find out how they're getting on, how their studies are going, how that uh, vision of the priesthood is, is growing in them. Uh, how they're getting on with others, uh, any particular challenges they're facing. Um, I inquire about their health. I ask about their family. So there's a whole range of things, but that's... Uh, they can kind of... Um, I, mean, I am their rector, and from that point of view, the rector doesn't give spiritual direction. He keeps out mm. of the interior forum. But at the same time, I see myself as a father to them. Mm -hmm. And so they do share with me uh, concerns and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I let them choose that level that they want to yeah. share. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so that's... Yeah. I think that yeah. Yeah. sums yeah. it up. What would you say is the most rewarding part of being a seminary rector? I think the most rewarding part is... Uh, is the day of ordination of one of my students. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, that comes, you know, thankfully, pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can you tell us about your story, sort of paint a, a picture of a young father, Peter Thompson? Yeah, were you always practising Catholic? Um, you've already sort of spoken to us about where you were when you experienced the call to the priesthood, mm. but, uh, you know, 
uh, life growing up? What was your seminary journey like? Mm. Yeah. Seminary in the 1960s was quite different uh, to, to Vianney College. <laughs> um, and it was probably somewhat different. I, I, as a, I trained as a Vincentian and we were probably a little bit more monastic than St. Patrick's College mainly, which itself was somewhat monastic too. We rarely went out. Uh, it was a kind of an enclosed community, uh, pastoral training. Towards the end, after the Second Vatican Council, which finished in 1965, I was ordained at the beginning of 1967. So my last year... Things began to change slightly, and we, we, my last year, thankfully, we did have some pastoral work, mm. uh, but uh, that was that was slowly coming in. The con- we concentrated on our, on our academic studies, I guess that was that was the main thing. We, we naturally, we lived in close contact with each other. We had to learn to live with each other. Uh, as Vincentians, of course, we had the additional. Aspect of training uh, in in our community life, our community spirit, uh, and uh, uh, that that aspect. So that that, that basically uh, perhaps describes my memories mm. of, of yeah, those yeah. days. Uh, just for the, the the sake of our listeners, um, when you say Vincentian Father, what do you mean? Vincentian Father, uh, it was is a community founded by Saint Vincent de Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, he um, he found and St Vincent died. St Vincent lived in the early 17th century. He was ordained, I think, uh, around about 1600, and uh, he died in 1660. He died a fairly old man. Mm. Uh, and uh, we kind of think of St Vincent. He's, the picture he's painted, I've painted, is as is the great saint of charity, and that's certainly true. Uh, there is another aspect to his life. He, he was essentially a priest, and the great poverty that he was aware of was the spiritual poverty mm. uh, in the society in which he lived. And particularly, he saw it in the in the country areas where uh, priests very often parishes were without a priest, and the priests they did have were badly trained and formed and educated. So he kind of saw the two things going hand in hand. Firstly give material aid to, to the poor mm. and the needy, but also to follow that up with, with spiritual assistance. And he saw the training of priests as uh, an essential part of that. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, thank you. Yeah. It's interesting that that aspect has almost been um, missed or forgotten. In it is, uh, even among ourselves. I, uh, when I retire, there will be no... Vincentian in this Australian province, oh, to my knowledge, wow. who was in the in the uh, in the off ministry of of seminary training. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you took up the role, uh, was there somebody else involved? There were a few others. When I became a Vincentian, we were running f- uh, four seminaries in Australia and New Zealand: yeah. Perth, Adelaide. Moscow in New Zealand and our own uh, uh, internal seminary in, in Eastwood in Sydney. Right. And uh, there was a tr- tradition also that we supplied the spiritual director at St. Patrick's College Manly. Okay, yeah, yeah. How did you wind up as rector? 
That's uh, something I'm not even sure. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly, um, my ordination, I was more or less told that my future would be in seminaries. uh, Mm -hmm. Our community had to train men to to run the seminaries. They needed the theology degrees. And uh, I was told to prepare to go to Rome. Uh, to study moral theology, of all things. Um, but in the meantime, they said, look, uh, firstly, we'll give you a bit of parish experience, and I was appointed to Ashfield. And uh, then, as in so many communities, there'd be a crisis in some particular community or mm. work, and uh, there was such a crisis in one of our colleges, uh, the provincial said to me, I want to send you to Bendigo. Uh, it's only a temporary appointment. Mm. I stayed there for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> and by that time, there was no kind of... Uh, they'd forgotten that I was ever destined to go. <laughs> so uh, after I finished my seminary, uh, my, my college work, uh, teaching, the secondary school, I, I then was appointed to parishes and... Uh, I spent perhaps the next um, 25 years um, in parish work Mm. and enjoyed it. It it was a very rewarding experience and I learnt a great deal. And I was was able to bring that experience to my work as rector. Uh, Mm. I I then actually was celebrating my 25 years jubilee Mm. And I was given a, a sabbatical and they said, what would you like to do? I said, I'd like to go to Rome and do some mm. studies. So I did spend a year in Rome uh, and I got a, uh, a Master of uh, Arts in Theology at the Angelicum. Uh, I came back and uh, I w- was asked to go back into, into college work uh, at St Stanislaus College. I, um, I did a bit of teaching, but my main job was the chaplain there. Uh, I was there for another eight years, and then uh, in 2001, I, I was put back into parish work. Only briefly, I, th- I, I was on loan to the Wollongong Diocese, and I served in Kayama at first, and then in Mittagong. One morning at breakfast at, at Mittagong, I opened a letter from one of my colleagues. Uh, it was a colleague that used to write to me and ask me kind of all kinds of Difficult question, so I put, <laughs> I put that aside. And I'll, I'll deal with that when I feel like it. Anyway, eventually I opened it, uh, and he said, now look, uh, the position of rector is falling vacant. Because um, it, was, it was Father John Wilkinson who already was, was here at, uh, at Wagga. He says, the position of rector is falling vacant, and uh, your name has been mentioned. <laughs> Are you interested? <laughs> Uh, so I, I couldn't believe it, but anyway, I, um, uh, you know, I, I, I thought you know, that might, there must be some kind of will of God to follow there. <laughs> I, I expressed my interest and I said yes. The bishop uh, got in touch with me, invited me down. I said, Bishop, look, I've had no experience in seminaries uh, since I left the seminary. Um, I've spent so many years uh, in teaching. And I, other years in parish work. Uh, I don't know whether that's the man you want. He said, that's just the man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So uh, it was uh, the appointment was for uh, two years to be reviewed after two years and maybe extended to six years. Mm-hmm. Well, six years have been extended somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> to a brief 18 year stint. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Just couldn't bear to see you leave, obviously. That's right. <laughs> I'm not sure if there was anyone else to take my place. <laughs> that might have been part of the reason. Um, well, it's it's um, uh, you know the 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 role of rector. Um, certainly, you, know, you mentioned you were a father to the the the, the, the students, and mm. and that was my experience going through the seminary. Um, so. What were some of the strengths that you know that you brought to the role? And what were some of the new skills that you had to learn? What were some of the things that, that was kind of a learning curve for you when you came? I had been immediate, well, not immediately, but a lot of my ministry had been in, in colleges with, with teenage secondary boys. I soon had to unlearn <laughs> the way to deal with with the students, uh, with the seminarians are, are grown men. And uh, there were times when I kind of reacted as I would have done in the secondary school, yep. and that was a disaster. I had mm. to kind of unlearn that. Mm. Uh, and uh, so that was, uh, that was something. Certainly I, I had to, I was conscious that I had to uh, form a and keep together a, a happy community. A yeah. seminary has to be a happy community, and that falls pretty much on the rector to make sure uh, you know any tensions and things uh, are dealt with quickly. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. A question that Steve and I were talking about is that, like, we grew up in a time where values had kind of already shifted. Mm. So we. we we grew up in a time where um, Christendom just, like Christianity, ha- did not have deep roots in Australia, mm-hmm. um, and we've sort of we've watched it then degenerate further. Further, mm. uh, but there was never any deep roots from our childhood. Whereas I think for yourself, uh, at least at least on the surface, it seemed as though Christianity or religion in general played an important role in uh, social life, mm. and you've watched that shift you've 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 ministered through that shift mm. uh, could you talk to us about what it was like to be in the the fray during that time it wasn't pleasant <laughs> <laughs> yes enough. the the, um, the parish i grew up in I, I kind of it wasn't quite the same as the parish of st mills in john o'brien's poetry sure. <laughs> but there were traces of it. It, it, it was, it was a, uh, there was this Catholic, uh, I suppose, tribal culture. We, mm-hmm. we, we formed, a, uh, you know, a, the parish community was, we knew everyone and the parish priest was in charge. And, of course, the nuns, they were, in many ways, the nuns were more important than the parish priest. Uh, but... Uh, then came the Second Vatican Council. We kind of often blame the Second Vatican Council, but I think that's not the whole story. Mm. Uh, there was what is now known as the, the sexual revolution in 1968. Yeah. Um, I often look back and think that, in, in Australia anyway, the advent of television, 
mm. played a, a big role in, in changing the culture. Everyone got television. Mm. And that kind of let all kinds of questionable people into our family homes mm. yeah. that, that weren't there before. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that, I think, changed the culture tremendously and the values. Uh, we became aware of uh, a whole range of values and unvalues, if you like, that, mm. that we didn't exist before. Mm. So, yes, uh, that proposed a number of challenges to us. And uh, as I said, it was uh, rather difficult to kind of uh, adjust oneself to this uh, new situation. I think everyone was in the same boat. I mean, the, I, I I feel very sorry for the bishops in those days. Uh, mm. we, we, th they've come in for a lot of criticism. But I think they didn't quite know how to to handle even the, the what was coming from the Vatican Second Vatican Council. Uh, the uh, what was in the decrees and the documents very often was not what was coming from other sometimes authoritative sources. And yeah. They didn't quite know who to listen to. Mm. And the same with the priests. Mm. Uh, we weren't quite sure who who to believe and who mm. to listen yeah. to. Mm. Yeah. And that must have been hard. Mm. Yeah. I see a turning point with the coming of John Paul II. Yeah. Uh, that, that, was, that to me was a kind of a, a breath of fresh air. I mean, mm. he he didn't change everything overnight, but I think he gave direction mm. uh, and kind of showed how the... Uh, he didn't sort of go backwards, but I think he showed us how the, uh, the Second Vatican Council should be interpreted. Yeah. And Benedict XVI, of course... Mm. Uh, followed on in that path too yes yeah mm. yeah brilliant do you have a particular memory of john paul ii that you're fond of like anything that he said well i met him twice oh, I, I, shook, I shook his hands <laughs> twice yes. um, and uh and in my time in rome uh, he was the pope and uh, i often went to uh, i often was present at the papal masses in mm. st peter's so i was close to uh, while he was celebrating Mass. Uh, but yes, there was... Well, in that time, I uh, uh, th there was a papal audience. Uh, the, the Australian bishops were making their ad limina visit and I was invited to go along to that Mass. Mm. And uh, so he always came out and met the uh, the congregation, the people at, at his Mass afterwards. And I, I have that memory. Uh, about... Um, Ten years later, uh, I was in Rome again. Uh, I forget the circumstances. I, was, I, I think uh, I had two young lads from St. Stanislaus College. I was teaching them Italian, and we were spending the summer in uh, the Australian summer in Rome. And uh, we got a papal audience there. Mm. It was a much smaller group, uh, and I can celebrated oh. with uh, John Paul II. There was only one other concelebrant which was interesting because I had the experience of standing on John Paul's mm. uh, right. And when it came the time to pray for the Pope uh, in the Eucharistic prayer, that was my bit. So <laughs> for John Paul, our Pope, and there was John Paul <laughs> <laughs> standing right alongside. 
Uh, and yes, he came. He came out after that and met, met us all too. Mm. Mm. So they're very beautiful memories. Yeah, yeah, special. So on the Living Fullness podcast, we believe that you can't actually live life to the full without Christ. So I guess the question for you, Father, is: Is there a particular aspect of that living fullness with Christ that you either feel called to share or? been passionate about or that you feel is important? Look, the one must daily make a, a conscious effort to come in contact with Christ. Mm. Uh, one's daily prayer is essential and I, I would think the the Eucharist for, for, yeah, for a priest, the Eucharist it goes hand in hand with that. I mean, for, for for a priest, Christ's main presence is there in the Eucharist. So the Eucharist plays a vital part in the spirituality of a priest. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Um, Father, you're, uh, you're getting ready for retirement. and uh, I'm not calling a, it retirement. In a certain <laughs> sense... <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> after this podcast. I'm heading off to Urana with another load of books. Uh, I've been appointed administrator at Urana, a small parish, but it will give me. Uh, I'll, I'll certainly have more time to mm. myself mm. and to do things that I like. But uh, I will also. I'm looking forward to once again uh, being in direct touch with people in a parish and yeah. doing the things that I was ordained for. That's pretty. That's yeah, yeah. Um, what's what's the new challenge that you're looking forward to in terms of, of, of that new phase of life? Um, I, I'm not one to look for challenge. I guess my, my <laughs> <laughs> fickle, fickle. The challenges come, but uh, you know, I, I, I that is the challenge to be able to um, go back to mm. the. To the pastoral, the direct pastoral life. I mean, certainly a seminary rector has a pastoral role. Yeah. But uh, but working the parish, getting to know the people, uh, leading them in the liturgy, leading them in getting to know Christ. That's yeah. what yeah. I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. How do you see your relationship continuing to grow? Your relationship with Christ continuing to grow in that? Well, a priest. Uh, the priest has to be a, a bridge in a certain sense between Christ and the people. So obviously if I'm going to do my role as bringing Christ to the people, bringing the people to Christ, I have to continue to be in touch with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Father, thank you for your time here in the podcast. Uh, I know that you're a... You're a You've got a million things to do, including moving to Urana and 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 running a seminary. Uh, but uh, you've um, uh, you've given us some great things to think about today, and uh, it's it's fantastic being able to have a uh, my old rector, a colleague, and 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 a friend here on uh, uh, on the podcast. So thank you for your thank for your you, presence. Father, and thank you, Stina. Um, we now just have a little uh, lightning round of questions, which uh, the first answer that comes to mind. Uh, just shoot off the top of your head. So. I'll go first. Tea or coffee, Paul? Or tea. 
Yeah. <laughs> he has a collection of teas. Most impressive collection of teas I've ever seen in my life. I've heard about this collection. It's like a cupboard full or something. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, early bird or night owl? Early bird. Yeah. Favourite movie or book? Uh, I... I like Dickens. I mean, it depends what you want. For for for, as a novel, a recreation, I like Dickens. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one day, uh, your life becomes a written biography. What would be the title? Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps uh, not the whole truth. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Oh, what's one thing people misunderstand about you? You don't have to ask the people. <laughs> 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 Who was your, your first close friend and uh, how old were you at the time? Um, well, uh, I guess, uh, uh, you know, I had cl- close friends in, uh, even in primary school. I remember the the boy who lived down the back lane, just across the lane from me. Uh, we spent a lot of time together. We, we kind of... Yeah. Uh, he was from a, an interesting family and I probably learnt a lot about life from him that I didn't learn in my family. But, uh, yes, I suppose that was... Uh, yeah. He was just a classmate and uh, we got on well together. Very good. Mm. And the last question for you, Father. What inspires you? Jesus Christ. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> Very good. Thank you again, Father, and uh, and we uh, continue to pray for you as you as you finish up your role here and uh, and um, uh, move into a, a new uh, a new challenge. Yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you, Father, again, and thank you, Thank you, and thank you to all of our podcast listeners and viewers as well for joining us for another episode. Please keep Father Thompson in your prayers as he moves on into a new phase and into a new area of ministry. Um, Also jump over to our Patreon page if you'd like to view a behind-the-scenes chat that we have with Father Thompson here. Um, You can subscribe to the Patreon community by jumping over to the link in the description box. Um, And as always, I'm good.